Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, okay, guys, I think we might just make a start. Um, uh, welcome to you again. Wow, oh, I'm echoing a lot. Is it just me? Let's keep talking. Um, it's the first of the month, but it's also St. David's Day for those Welsh people among us. Is it just, just me? There's going to be like extra blessings for those people who are Welsh, but I think it's just me. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so you might have guessed from um, uh, John's little hint over there that um, Owen actually asked me to speak about communion today. Um, so, and probably uh, if you are regular members of the church, you'll know that for quite a long time now, a number of months, we've been deliberately doing, having com- communion every single Sunday. Um, and it's probably something that you all feel quite familiar about. It's similar passages that we read each week, um, and perhaps we know the, the theology, we're quite familiar with that. Um, but actually, Owen reminded me that it's, it's actually quite rare to hear an actual preach on a natural sermon. Um, and actually, I've never heard, a, heard one before, and Owen said he hadn't either. So um, we just kind of thought that it would actually be quite a good, good topic to, to um, maybe talk about and think about. And sometimes I think we can feel a bit... Oh, dear. Am I doing something? I see a lighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Um, I think sometimes we can feel quite we can feel quite dry when we take communion, or sometimes we just kind of go through the motions um, because it's just something that we perhaps just don't really give much thought to. Um, and I certainly grew up in an Anglican church where you know you go have a liturgy, a set liturgy, and you know all the words by heart, and I knew all of this, but it didn't actually really resonate in my heart. It didn't actually have that much of an impact. Um, but actually, in preparing for this. Um, sermon, it's actually given me quite a, um, a fresh excitement for the gospel, which is obviously the essence of, of communion. Um, so today I'm not entirely sure that I've got anything new or profound to say to you, um, but I'm not actually worried because I think the gospel speaks for itself and it's profound in itself. Um, and so my hope is that you guys too will also have this fr- fresh um, and renewed perspective um, for the gospel and for taking communion um, and for also then being able to share that with others and those that you encounter this week. So it's really good for us to remind ourselves to focus on the cross. Um, and there's no better time than this, no better season than um, in this time of Lent and as we kind of look towards Easter um, and obviously there are lots of differences between churches about how we take communion. For, for some people, we um, think it might be a symbolic thing, taking the bread or wine. For others, it might be like the Catholics, you know, it actually transforms into the body and blood of Jesus through transubstantiation, they call it. Um, perhaps there'll be discussions about, you know, how frequently should we take it? Should we take it every week? Should it be every month? Should it be more, more uh, less often than that? Is it only for believers? Um, does it... Should it be unleavened bread? Should it be um, different types of bread? Should it be uh, wine? Should it be or, or just grape juice? Uh, there's a whole host of different things that we can think about. Um, but I just wanted us to focus on, um, just t- strip it all back and just take it back to the very fundamental um, discussion, which is, you know, why should we take communion? And what is it? Why, why is it? Why is it important? So we're going to focus on um, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, which should come up. Thank you, Faith. Um, so this is what Paul says. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, 
This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until, it, until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning, sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Shall we pray? Lord God, we just thank you that you are here, Lord. We thank you that your uh, word is living and breathing. Lord, we thank you for uh, this time of worship that we've already had. Um, and Lord, we just pray that you'd now focus our, uh, our hearts, Lord, on what you might be saying to us through your word. God, we want to just draw closer to you. We want to be more uh, like you, Lord. And Father, we pray that you would uh, challenge us and that you gently convict us if necessary, Lord. Um, but that we would just take something away from you today, Lord, that it would grow us to, to bring you more glory in our lives, Lord, through your word. And we thank you that you are here. Amen. So in my mind, uh, from this passage, <clears throat> I think that in answering the question, why do we share communion? I think there are four basic reasons which um, we'll just go into. First, it's a time to look back. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but we'll remember uh, at least once a year we celebrate or we remember, we commemorate um, those that died in the war in November. Um, we uh, take the two-minute silence to think about those people. Uh, perhaps we visit uh, different types of museums, like the British War Museum or like the Holocaust memorials, and uh, we, we take time to remember these things. And I've come to realize that those who take those things the most seriously are those who've actually um, have had some kind of personal encounter or some kind of um, connection, uh, either indirectly or directly, something that's affected them, um, those people that kind of take it a bit more seriously than others. And I suppose for me personally, the, the thing that I relate to the most is in Rwanda. So, um, as you know, my husband is Rwandan and I've spent quite a lot of time there. But in, um, in April, on the April the 7th, they, they commemorate the um, genocide, which is now almost 21 years ago. And I find it a little bit strange. And actually, every time we're there, we, we kind of try to avoid that, that week. So it's like it stems for a whole week. Um, and it's, it's quite a spiritually heavy time. You can really feel it in the country. Um, and they spend this whole week um, having these kind of presentations and people talking and reliving an encounter, uh, the encounters that they've had to go through. Um, and there's quite a big um, parade type thing that takes place in the stadium. The president kind of speaks. And it always usually um, leads to at least some people collapsing when they have to, when they have to relive their experiences. And I remember um, speaking to one genocide survivor, and this um, guy, he was 14 when uh, he was uh, in Rwanda and during the genocide, and his, um, his mother was, um, was raped in front of him, uh, and then she was killed, um, and his auntie was then um, pregnant at the time. She was eight months pregnant, and uh, the militia, they basically cut her with a machete, um, and her womb was opened, and they again cut her... Achilles tendon so that she couldn't, um, so she couldn't leave, and that she just bleed to death, and that's basically how she died. And then, he, and he was, uh, he was uh, just basically there, told to watch, and was forced to watch. And I always, and I asked him, I don't, I don't understand why is it that you, why is it that you, ha you come every year and you just remember this? Why is it that you want to relive this kind of atrocity? And he said, well, in the brutality of death, um, that's when the lives of my family are most honoured. That's a time when, when they actually are honoured. 
Um, and that's, that's how they don't, they're not forgotten. You see, communion is a bit similar to that. You see, we are remembering Jesus' death, his suffering, and what he had to endure on the cross for us. But the good news is, unlike that story, is that we're also celebrating his resurrection as well. And so those people um, who have a kind of personal encounter with Jesus, those people who've experienced Jesus and who he is, are also going to be able to better understand the power of the gospel and the power of the gospel also the significance of taking communion. So Jesus says in verse 24, do this in remembrance of me. So this is a command. It's a command that he's given us just when he was going to die on the cross. So the very short answer as to why is it it that we take communion is just because Jesus tells us to do so. It's a command. But it's also a greatest, um, a good evangelistic tool. There's always some kind of hidden wisdom that God has. Um, But I've I've been in church a number of times when there'll be an unbeliever that comes into church and um, there's quite this odd ritual that we have in sharing communion together. Um, and it, it can be slightly odd, but usually at this time, the, the gospel is the gospel message is preached, if not just through the word. Um, and I've seen people being saved just through hearing that message. In verse 20, 26, it's saying, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. So it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to, to again, relive the gospel and to make that message to those people who come. And obviously for the disciples, this was a really significant thing for them. See, they were celebrating the Passover at the time, which took place every year. You know, when the Israelites were being um, saved from from slavery in Egypt. You know, remember they put the blood of the lamb painted on the doors of the household so that the firstborn sons would be saved in Exodus 12. So it was on the 10th day of the month that the lamb would be chosen to be sacrificed. And Jesus is just explaining a way to his disciples in a way that they would be able to understand that actually he would be the one that would take the place of the lamb. And he explains that he will be the one who will be sacrificed in this place instead. And it's just interesting to me that, you know, he, he knew exactly where he was going at that time. He knew that he was going to death, um, but he still chose to spend his final moments with his disciples, with his friends, with his people that he loved in their company, sharing the bread and wine. So what are we remembering? Um, so this is just the uh, essence of the gospel, just with a few references to the, um, to, to the word. So we can just go through it quickly. But yes, Christ, Jesus Christ died for us while we were still sinners, that he left heaven to be born in human form, that he bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that he did this willingly, intentionally, and purposefully to take our place, that he shed his blood to save us, that he conquered death, and that he ascended back to heaven to living to intercede on our behalf, that we are entering into a new covenant now um, so that we'll be able to come to the Father through him, that no longer we would need to atone for our sins um, because Jesus accomplished this once and for all on the cross, and that we have salvation through faith, not works so that we can't boast, but that is given freely to everyone who believes. That's the gospel message wrapped up very quickly for you. And I suppose we we all probably know this. It's not something new to us. But I suppose my question is, does it still thrill us? Does it still excite us? Are we excited when we hear this? Or does it just kind of wash over us? Has it lost its kind of life-changing impact that we may have had some years ago? Especially if you're a long long time a Christian, I've been a Christian for a long time, does it, has, it, has it kind of gone a bit watered down? Is it diluted now? Or are we now excited? Are we still really excited as we once were? Let's never get apathetic about this message. 
Let's never get apathetic even when we hear it so many times. And if we do feel dry, well, it's okay, but let's take the moment to ask God to give us a fresh perspective of the, of the, of the gospel so that we can understand fully the enormity of what he's done for us and what he's done for you individually. So we've taken time first to, to look back. Secondly, we look forward. See, this invitation is given to all his disciples, so we're all invited by the Son of God himself to recline at his table. And that's just an incredible thing. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and, and, uh, and uh, opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And to think that God himself would choose that, he would choose to do that for, for us, is just amazing. But not only are we rejoicing this, but we're also, um, and also what he's done on the cross for us, but Jesus also reminds us to, to look forward. So verse 26 says, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And Jesus also says in Luke 22, I will not eat or drink until the kingdom of God comes. Because one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day he's going to come again and he's going to um, call us by name. We're going to be able to come into the heavens, into the clouds with him. We're going to meet with him there. He's gonna, we're going to be with him inseparably and for all eternity. Isn't this cause to rejoice? <laughs> we're going to all glum. It's, it's a great message. It's something that is wonderful. And so that's my question. Do we look with the eternity perspective? Is that, is that how, we, how we look? How does it make us feel? Are we excited? Are we expectant each day waiting for Jesus to come? Or does it make us feel a bit fearful? I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about the heaven, going to heaven, I think, gosh, I'll just be glad if I get right at the back somewhere. You know, if I just get in, that'll be great. I don't care if I'm right at the back somewhere. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Paul says that we should, um, that we live as foreigners and exiles on this earth. And, you know, foreigners and exiles, it's kind of a feeling of, of not belonging. It's like that we don't, we kind of have something um, in common with people, but we're kind of strangers. We're, there's inherently something that just doesn't quite fit. And I grew up in Wales and uh, Brown in a very, very remote area uh, 30 years ago. Um, there were not very many people at all. I think we were only the only brown people around for ages. And, um, and I remember feeling that similar kind of thing, you know, like that I've got something in common with my friends at school, but there's also something really different. Like they, they don't really treat me completely the same and, and I don't really feel the same. And I think, okay, I'm just like, that's a silly example, but I think that's a similar kind of thing that, of how we should be kind of feeling on this earth. More importantly, of like, how do we feel? How does it make us act? And I'm not here talking about striving. You know, the Bible's really clear that our righteous acts are like filthy rags to him. Um, but what I'm saying is, do we, do we act differently to others? Do we live our lives with a kind of eternity perspective? See that um, guy that I was telling you about, the genocide survivor? You see, he actually lives for heaven. He hopes for heaven. That's what he's, he's holding on to. And every day he's, he's, he's praying, Lord, I can't wait until you wipe away every tear. Every tear will be, that I've shed will be wiped away. And it's quite alien for us to think about that. But when you think about the persecuted church um, and those that suffer, people, people are comforted by things where God says, you know, vengeance is mine. You know, I'm not going to judge, but I know that there is a God who is a just God. Um, 
And I th sometimes think, sometimes we go through struggles, we, we go through things of times of difficulty. And I think in a way that's such a good thing for us because when we do that, it means that we don't have to love the world. We're not holding on to loving the world. Um, God, it would be, if, we, if life was so easy for us, we wouldn't be inclined to look heavenwards. So when we struggle, um, I hope this is what we will end up doing, but, but also in the blessing as well, that we would take time to maintain the kingdom perspective and therefore live temporarily on this earth um, so that we wouldn't, we wouldn't stumble, we wouldn't have cause to stumble, and that we wouldn't be distracted from pursuing God. So when we take communion, we're reminded that Jesus is going to complete what God began. So we look forward. Thirdly, we look within. So it's an attitude of the heart. We've kind of talked about, um, about those that have hurt us and wronged us before. Um, but now it's about repentance. And I've spoken about this before, so I'm not going to spend loads of time um, going through it all again. Um, but I think sometimes in church we shy away from confessing our sins and talking about sin. It's either that or we go the other extreme, which is that that's all the message is about, you know, turn or burn or, you know, like this whole legalism thing. Um, but the Bible's actually really clear. Um, it's really clear. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins and he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And it goes on to say, if we, but if we claim that we are without sin, then we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Um, so none of us are exempt. We all, we all should be doing this. It's, it's a form and a, a normal part of our everyday Christian lives. Verse 27, 28 says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. So my question in this section is, do we take the time to self-examine before we take communion? Or do we kind of come sometimes a bit apathetically, a bit complacently, sometimes a bit unworthily to the table? Because it's almost like we, if we do that, we're kind of dishonoring what Jesus has done for us. So let's not be afraid to confess our sins to God and also to each other. We have quite a good setups here in, in, in this church. We've got our home groups. We've got prayer groups. Um, you know, sometimes a lot of people meeting one-on-one -on -one with each other. Just find someone to be accountable to um, because it's a really freeing thing. Um, to be accountable to somebody. I have somebody that I'm accountable to, and actually she lives in Miranda. She's one of my best friends, and she calls me up, or I speak while well, I call her up, and um, all the time she asks about my faith. You know, how are you doing? What, what, you know, what, what are you struggling with at the moment? And we've just had a baby, and, um, and I'm just tired, and I'm like, I haven't had much time with, like, for God, and, like, I'm not reading my Bible much, and, and I mean, I'm getting really f cross and frustrated. And I love the fact that she can just come to me, and she's so, was, so blunt, and at first it was so awkward, Awkward, but now it's just so freeing. Um, and I think that God wants us to live in that freedom that he's provided through Jesus, that we wouldn't have a fear of that condemnation or that sense of judgment, um, but, and that sin wouldn't have a claim on us at all, that we would be free from sin so we wouldn't have baggage and we wouldn't be loaded down with sin. So once we've repented, let us trust that our sins have been forgiven and be thankful that Jesus has, uh, has achieved this on the cross for us. So it's not at all about how good we are, but it's about how good God is and that we live under his grace. So look within. And then finally, to look around. It's going to be the quickest sermon ever. It's great. Um, uh, to, verse 29 says, For anyone who eats 
and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Yikes, that kind of sounds a bit serious. Um, so what is a body here? What do we mean by the body? Very good, some gold stars there. Um, yeah, exactly right. So earlier, earlier in the passage, Paul is rebuking the church in Corinth for its divisiveness. And that's exactly what is meant. So he refers a number of times um, to the body as the church. Uh, he says, you know, we, we who are many are one body, for we all partake in one bread. And again in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you are a part of it. So if we have any resentment against someone in the church, what happens is that we're really effectively just judging ourselves, because we're all equal at his table. We need to be um, a church that encourages and honours and builds up each other. Um, so I just really encourage you to just take the time to get to know and love the people in our church and not to pick and choose, you know, and dismiss others and some people. Um, because I think many blessing has been lost or missed um, at the Lord's table because the unity of the body hasn't really been considered. Um, and I personally learned this um, the hard way um, some years ago. I was a trainee in... Um, as a lawyer, and my first six months were pretty awful. Um, I just had a really, really difficult um, principal, so someone I was sharing an office with who I reported to, and she made my life absolutely miserable. I worked, um, I was going home at 4 a.m. every day and coming back at 8 in the morning for three months solid, including weekends and evening um, and bank holidays, and um, it was like for the most mundane, like secretarial type work ever. Um, and I'm pretty resilient, I think, as a person, but I was getting like nosebleeds and it was, it was absolutely horrendous. And she was just really, really horrible. Um, and she was a South African lady. And I thought I'd kind of like dealt with it uh, some years later. I thought, like, um, I thought, you know, I'd been like, I'd forgiven her and all of that. And then I was in my church in Brussels, um, must have been a number of years later, and there was a, a lady in the church and she had this um, gift of the prophetic. And she was praying over people and prophesying over them. And people had these amazing words um, that were from her and um, just really inspired. You know, when you get a prophetic word, it's something that you hold on for years and years on end. But she had the South African accent, and it was exactly the same as this lady from years ago. And I realized I just couldn't go near her at all. Like, I, I couldn't. There was just something that I just could not manage. And I totally lost out on the blessing of that um, prophetic word that was for me, to my detriment. And to this day, I think, oh, Lord, what a missed opportunity I had there, that word that I could have held on to that you could have given me. Um, so God, like, let's, not, let's not lose this. In our church, there are so many gifted people, and I'm getting to know that more and more as I get to know you more and more, that there are people here who have so many gifts and so many talents. Let's not push people away. Let's not stamp them down. Let's build and encourage. Let's get to know and love one, and each other, one another. God wants us to live abundantly and fruitfully, and we're going to find it in the church. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So let's be reconciled. Let's build the church and let's not stamp on it. Let's not stand on the side of the enemy. Let's, let's stand on the side of God. So I think that was a kind of whistle-stop tour there. Um, but when we um, start taking communion today, let's remember what Jesus has done um, by looking back. Let us rejoice for what he's going to do by looking forward. Let us take time to say sorry for things that we have done wrong by looking within. And let us be reconciled to one another by looking around. 
See, taking communion should strengthen our faith. That's what it should do. It should draw us closer to God, and it should also draw us closer to each other. So I'm just going to maybe ask the band to just come up again. Um, I think we're just going to have a, um, a song. Um, and I think all, all people are welcome. People who would um, know and love the Lord Jesus are welcome to come and share communion with us. Um, and I, I just encourage you maybe just to focus on one of those aspects, perhaps, that maybe have spoken to you the most um, before coming up. Um, and then the one thing that I just was really praying about and I just kind of felt was particularly for our church is this point about looking around and just um, loving and blessing each other. Um, so I just wanted to do something a little bit different, which is just that when you take your bread and your wine and you go back to your seat, can you just, um, it doesn't have to be like all difficult or anything, but just can you share either or one, either the bread or the wine rather than taking it for yourself? Can you just give it to somebody else who's sitting next to you just as a sign of like this, this form of unity that we have for the church? Either one doesn't really matter. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.